You know, I used to uh, pour lemon on my Doritos. That's very Mexican of you. Hey, this is Barry, and you're listening to I Live the 90s, Alan and Brian. And now it's time for Tampa Bay's favorite segment, Sponsored Not Sponsored. There comes a time in a man's life when things begin to change. You know what I'm talking about. Suddenly, wheels means cars instead of skateboards. Look, let's broaden your horizons. It's time to move on. Instead of reaching out for that same old bag of potato chips, why not tear into a bag of nacho cheese Doritos? Bigger taste, bigger crunched. Here's a snap chip that bites back. Nacho cheese Doritos. You're a man now. You can handle it. Crunch all you want. We'll make more. Welcome, everybody, to I Live the 90s. We are back. It is episode 34 of this thing. You know what, Brian? The number 34 is a very special number for me. Okay. It is a very, very special number in Houston. Number 34 is retired in every major sport in Houston. Nolan Ryan wore 34. His jersey's retired. Hakeem Olajuwon wore 34. His jersey's retired. Earl Campbell, 34. Jersey's retired. So 34 is a, a sacred number and this is a sacred episode don't you think i mean you're making the case i'm my 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 palate is being moistened as we speak uh before we go on if you could only pick one of those three uh 34s who gets the nod elijah one no not even thinking about it not even thinking about it not even a debate i mean obviously those two guys are are great especially nolan ryan yeah but um no man hakeem man hakeem is just the man I mean, no arguments from here. As a, as a Houstonian, no arguments here. Oh, man, you're always changing your ownership. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a little upset with the Mavericks today, so uh, we can talk about that another time. Ooh. <laughs> so, of course, the topic that's as sacred as ever for a sacred number 34 is <laughs> Polly Shore. <laughs> Polly Shore. I wish I could do Polly like, Shore. I wish I could do like uh, sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> this is but good. I'm actually very excited about this episode. Uh, it was something me, me and you were, were floating and, and talking about last week. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey and all the kind of big comedian uh, megastars of the 90s. And uh, Polly Shore came up because he's not as big of a star as those guys. But he did have a fantastic run in the 90s. He had a string of some... Great movies, hit movies that I know uh, I liked a lot. So we're going to talk about his career trajectory a little bit. He was white hot in the 90s. Things kind of fell off, and uh, we kind of dive deep into that, and um, I'm, I'm excited to get started. Me too, man. Uh, look forward to this. All right, so but first, let's check in with Barry and Office Hours, who just recently inherited from his Aunt Mabel one of Elvis's scarves. Barry, take it away. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Just a few things to clarify and amplify this uh, week on episode 33, Saved by the Bell. But before we get to that, a shout out to uh, Ben Gibson for making the time to uh, uh, share his uh, experiences and uh, his memories. And uh, you should all go check out his podcast, too. Now, getting uh, into this one, 
Uh, we'll start out with something that has nothing to do with Saved by the Bell, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, who were uh, sisters made famous for playing the role of uh, Michelle Tanner on uh, Full House, but then launched a, a movie career, including 1995's It Takes Two, which was, of course, inspired by the original Parent Trap, which came out in 1961. But It Takes Two came out three years before the official remake of The Parent Trap, starring Lindsay Lohan in 1998. Now, getting back to the original 1961 version, starring, of course, Haley Mills, it's a little bit like You've Got Mail, in that it wasn't the original. It was, in fact, based uh, on a, uh, a story that's been told many times over many languages uh, throughout the world in many media. The earliest full treatment I could find was a German novel from 1949 called Lottie and Lisa. Now, getting to Dustin Diamond, who, of course, played Screech on uh, Saved by the Bell. He was in that role for more than a decade, 1988 to 2000. And uh, he uh, died at the age of 44. Uh, at the time of his death, he was only a year younger than Linda Cardinelli, who, of course, played high schooler Lindsay Weir on Freaks and Geeks when she was 24 or 25. Speaking of age, Dustin Diamond was only 11 when he started uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss, of course, starring Haley Mills. So uh, that made Diamond younger than the character he was playing. I'm not sure if that was intentional uh, to sort of emphasize his precociousness or if he just uh, worked out right for the role. Anyway, they were students at JFK Junior High in Indianapolis before the whole show moved to an unspecified area in the L.A. Uh, metropolitan uh, sprawl uh, for Bayside High. Now, switching gears a little bit, uh, uh, Saved by the Bell ended its run in 1993, but of course there was the new class after that. Now, in the block with the new class was a show called Hang Time, which you mentioned, which ran from 1995 to 2000. The head basketball, or the star basketball player, was uh, Julie, played by an actress named Daniela Deutscher, who was uh, blonde. Now, she was only one of two uh, actors or actresses to play in every uh, episode of that uh, show's six-season run, which saw a lot of turnover in cast. But that uh, would turn out to benefit uh, Deutscher uh, personally because uh, an actor named Jay Hernandez played uh, Antonio Lopez, in the second half of the season, or the second half of the series, and the, those two would go on to get married and uh, are, uh, remain married. So sometimes it's uh, it, it's good when they um, uh, shuffle the cast like that. Speaking of the cast shuffling, uh, Reggie Theus did play the coach, but only for the first three seasons. He was replaced in the second three seasons by former football player Dick Butkus. Now, I don't really have anything to add uh, to your interlude about uh, the importance of friendships and uh, to vulnerability and to bonding and to putting yourself out there, but I did uh, appreciate that part of the uh, of the show and uh, wanted to mention that. One final note is a, a repeat of a note that I made in my very first segment concerning the episode of Family Matters where Eddie Winslow uh, enters a, a basketball tournament. The, uh, the, he's joined in that tournament by Kevin the Spider Jackson, who is played by Donovan McRae, who is Darius McRae's real-life brother. That's all I got for this time. Back to you. All right, and thanks, Professor Barium, getting into the show. Man, Alan, I'm excited to talk about Polly Shore, because I think... There wasn't a guy that had the highest of highs like that that just had 
a drop off of a cliff like he did that we still sort of remember. Usually there's like a fall from grace or something like that, but basically, for me anyway, he was in movies, in movies, in movies, in movies, and then he was just gone. And he re- sort of resurfaced, uh, you know, recently, but for the most part, I haven't heard much about Polly Shore since the mid-90s, basically. Um, sort of opening remarks on Polly Shore. Yeah, I mean, think back on the 90s and who were like the kind of the the top comedy stars you know i think adam sandler i think jim carrey yeah but you have you have to include Polly shore in that because he had a run of movies between encino man son-in-law uh biodome jury duty in the army now i mean one after the other after the other and then just door closed and you just did not see him in movies again since then why you know, I don't know. Maybe the movies just didn't perform like they maybe they didn't seem as a bankable star. I sure as heck liked him when I was a kid. We, we watched all his movies at home. We rented them, watched them. I was a, a Polly Shore guy. And I remember this legitimate debate in P.E. class in sixth grade of Jim Carrey or Polly Shore. Who do you like better? Whoa. And yeah. Yeah. And I actually picked Jim Carrey in that in that debate. But uh the other guy was making points. His name was uh, Brad Fish. Brad Fish was, man, I haven't thought of that guy in maybe 30 <laughs> years until just now. Let's but find Brad, him on Facebook. Brad Fish was making points for Polly Shore. And in my head, even back then, I'm like, man, you know what? This guy's, this guy's, this guy's talking to me. You know, I'm, I'm, he's making some points. Um, I, I think that's absolutely right, man. I think he was up there with Sandler. I think um, who's the guy that did like, the update the updated flubber um just passed away recently was the genie i'm just oh uh, 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 i think same thing man like Polly shore absolutely was sort of at that ilk he was a bankable star and he played sort of the same person in everything so it was like will smith you're gonna get will smith like will smith's gonna be will smith and most of the times his character is named will so maybe like a half step above that (laughs) was Polly Shore, where he was basically the weasel in everything. Um, he had that funny, like, I can't even, I tried to mimic doing it, the, like. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just like, that dude speak that he does. <laughs> um, and he had a, like, a, a cadence. Um, it was sort of like, um, you remember Rob Schneider had the uh, the announcer voice that he would do from Unnecessary Roughness? Yes, yes. It was like a stick like that. I think he used to do it on, snl though right as well uh schneider yeah, yeah i think so yeah so it was just sort of like i associated that one thing with that one guy because nobody else was doing it um and he had created this entire persona he said he did all the movies that you had already mentioned and he did like vjing for mtv spring break specifically i remember spring break becoming like a huge thing where i think it started slow and they kind of figured out hey all the kids are at home. We have all the eyeballs. Let's just blow out this entire like week. So like MTV Spring Break was fashion show slash like concert. It was VJs doing their one shows and any shows that MTV had, they would do live action versions of them. And I remember, do you remember who they brought on to do his show even though he wasn't on MTV? Oh man. It's okay. Shoot. 
Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. I was, da- I was, I swear, I was just about to say that. I'm like, what, what would actually make sense for someone to bring on in front of a, a MTV Spring Break audience? Of course, it would be Heyday Fights, Jerry Springer. No, I, I was gonna guess that. I swear. It was like Jerry Springer Spring Break or Jerry Spring Break. I don't know if there was a play on the words, um, but him being a part of that, they had concerts. It was out on the beach, maybe Fort Lauderdale. Sounds right. I can't remember exactly where they would do it. But they would just move their entire base camp from like New York City or wherever MTV is out in LA, New York, and just set up shop and be on the beach, on the sand. There was like all kinds of couples games and just basically like good looking people always dancing. Was that the grind? I know he he had he called it grindage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a show called The Grind, where it was just like hot people dancing in the sand, listening to like music like a club basically and then they had man what was the other i don't know anyway that's what my impression of like him as like a vj do you remember anything more about him as a vj though i mean for sure that was his entree into movies i guess he did such he was so he was popular enough as as an mtv personality and and funny enough that Mm -hmm. they figured hey well maybe we can turn him into a, a star put him in movies but i remember he did have a show and um, he had a guest on the show, and it was it was Child Bruno Mars. <laughs> Wait, was and, it like a variety yeah. show or like? It was just like an MTV VJ show, and right. he'd have like musical guests and just interview them. Very informal, mm-hmm. you know. He didn't have a desk or anything. It was usually on location somewhere. And I remember he was he was like at some resort, I think, where Child Bruno Mars was performing. And he as? was interviewing him, and, and, and Bruno had a career as a the youngest Elvis impersonator uh, in, in, in the world. And he was there as, like, little Elvis doing impressions and dances for, uh, for, for Polly Shore. Now, Elvis Bruno uh, had a very small spot in um, Honeymoon in Vegas. They were at a show, and little baby bruno elvis was performing on stage <laughs> wait honeymoon in vegas was that sarah jessica parker and nick yes. cage and sonny corleone what's his name james con yeah con uh, james con yeah <laughs> yeah bruno baby bruno elvis is in that movie do you know how good of an elvis impersonator you have to be as a child to be like filipino but still pull it off <laughs> oh. I mean, just like the Journey guy. I mean, a Filipino guy was doing karaoke in the Philippines. One of the guys from Journey saw it on YouTube. Like, man, I like this guy. He sounds just like Steve <laughs> Perry. <laughs> Steve Perry quit. Let's just bring this guy on. Oh. I think he split. He split from Journey pretty early. He did a little bit of solo stuff, um, and then kind of got a little bit sick. Kind of dropped off. Kind of let live this private life. Uh, started going to San Francisco when they were going to the World Series a lot. And I think kind of got rejuvenated a little bit because people were recognizing him and asking him to sing. Yeah. Like right there in the stands. And he enjoyed it. He's like, man, I, I actually kind of miss this. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he reunited with Journey and if they did maybe one or two tours together right. um, or if they're still kind of separated. I'm not sure. But Steve Perry, the man, is kind of back on the scene. And, yeah. Uh, from be, uh, oh, what, after being in seclusion for such a long time. Gotcha. Um, back to the topic at hand. So we've gone through Polly Shore's spring break sort of career and <laughs> jumping off Bruno Mars' um, career. 
let's just kind of go through the movies. And I think between it, it's, it comes down to two for me, obviously there's sort of like the second tier of in the army. Now jury duty and biodome, which biodome is kind of sneaky because that's like a cult classic. But I think for me, it comes down to two movies when I think of Polly Shore. Um, so of Encino man and of son-in-law, like which one is the more Polly Shore for you? Oh man. Uh, I think son-in-law, because <laughs> Polly Shore was in Encino Man. I mean, he was one of the main characters, but but of course it was a lot of Brendan Fraser, mm-hmm. you know, being the caveman, Sean Astin, and uh, Dom DeLuise's very bully son. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's his actual son, by the way. Really? The is, is his kid. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he had another kid that was in 21 Jump Street with uh, Johnny Depp, the series, the old school series. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, no, but uh, but yeah. son-in-law was like Pauly Shore is the man. That is that is his movie. He's the starring role. He's in every scene, and that's a pretty hilarious movie, by the way. Uh, totally agree. I love that movie for a number of reasons. Um, first off, the top, if we're gonna bridge last week's episode and this week's episode, it was like before Tiffany Amber Thiessen went to nine hundred two and zero. She had this spot in like son-in-law as like this other woman kind of person it was a way to see kelly kapowski in a very different light for me um i think she ended up like in her bra in like a camaro in that she there's a there was a scene where she was dancing in a barn at a bachelor party and yeah and, and doing, doing her thing you yep. <laughs> <laughs> um so son-in-law has a number of like famous people i'm gonna say their real name and then i want to i want to see if you know who they are, or what actor that is, and what other movie. Because these are a lot of people that are famous by, like, the sight of them. So, obviously, okay. Polly Shore. Uh, Carla Gugino was the daughter. Do you remember, like, her at all? Carla Gugino? Yes. That... Okay. I mean, I know she's been in some movies and stuff, but, sure. I mean, that's... I don't really... Nothing famous. I think she was in... um, um, What's the HBO show Entourage? I think she was in Entourage. She was, like, a suit in Entourage. Oh, okay. She was in a movie with The Rock, uh, San Andreas. She was in San Andreas (laughs) with The Rock. So here's one that I'm like super curious. The guy's name, it's a man. His name is Lane Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, He was in My Cousin Vinny. He was the DA. DA. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then um, Patrick Rea? Patrick Renna. Oh, Porter? Yeah. Her little brother was played by Porter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Tiffany Amber Thiessen, a couple other people that are kind of unimportant. But those two I thought was really important because like, those are like on-site actors for me. I could never name their names ever. But if I see them, I know exactly who they are. I know exactly where I know them. You see, you see them on screen do that Leonardo DiCaprio meme. You're like pointing at the TV with a cigarette hanging out of your mouth. Like, there he is. <laughs> Got the whiskey hanging. Oh, yeah. oh man. Yeah, so... That was a really good movie. So the, the concept of that is she goes away to college. She's a country bumpkin. She goes away to college in Los Angeles or somewhere on the coast, Pepperdine, something like that. Meets this like fifth-year senior and ends up bringing him home. Is she trying to scandalize her family? I can't remember exactly. 
She brought him home because he didn't have anywhere to go for Thanksgiving, so she felt bad and brought him home. After she was home, her high school sweetheart was uh, about to propose, and she didn't want to marry him. Oh, that's right. She was just kind of exploring her independence in college, so in order to get out of it, <laughs> Polly Shore had the broad idea to tell everybody, oh, well, I'm I'm her fiancé. <laughs> and hilarity ensues from there. Um, it is very good. I like that movie a lot. It's a it's a pretty formulaic movie, but it was really really stinking funny, man. I loved it. Um, and then the, I would say, even though that's his funniest, the bigger of the two is absolutely Encino Man, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody loves Encino Man. What a great story. Um, I mean, it's a ridiculous story. <laughs> <laughs> And you find a caveman and, you know, wake him up and uncryogenically so, so let me <laughs> restore get him. This guy's, like, summer project was to dig, like, a swimming pool for his family, like, by hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's greatest by the end of the movie, all they did was use shovels. Like, you can't just dig a pit of dirt and then all of a sudden it becomes like this fantastic swimming pool but in the movie he's hosting a pool party yeah like it wasn't it wasn't done like it never got filled with cement never got finished yeah, there's no fiberglass like, i mean there's there's no anything it's just oh hey we water. got this pool um yeah that was i mean that sort of touched off definitely brendan fraser's career that i think that was his favorite that, that was his first um like breaking role right unless he was george of the jungle was after that right yeah, way after that. I mean, Encino Man really got things started for him. And was, what's funny is, it's funny how that movie got him started. A movie where he doesn't say much, do much, and just kind of says things like, bazongas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, like, and like plays with lighters. We're like, yes, this guy has potential. <laughs> you know, one of my more favorite parts is actually an understated. So there's a famous scene where they're like wheezing the juice and like, you know, doing all that. But as he leaves... It was a joke that was set up very well where he had been at home and like whatever TV channel he was watching was just like looping Terminator 2. So he was learning how to talk watching Terminator 2. So after the famous wheezing the juice scene, he leaves 7-Eleven because they get kicked out for wheezing the juice. Uh, he comes back on and he's found some like sunglasses <laughs> and he just pokes his head in the door and he's like, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> It's just one of those understated, I like, I really enjoyed that. Um, Sean Astin, Rudy, which I feel like we should do. I don't know if that movie came out in the 90s, but if so, there's a lot, there's a lot of holes in that movie uh, for why that shouldn't be a movie um, and who that, that physical person, Rudy Rudiger, has become in real life. Like, <laughs> that guy's a story all to himself. Um, but Sean Astin was like, he's gone on to like quietly do a bunch of big stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's in all the Lord of the Rings, right? Right, yeah. So he's, that helps to be short, man. Like that, I feel like if I had gone out to Hollywood and, and tried, my, tried my hand at being an actor, I could have I found myself into that movie. I'm short enough to be like Frodo Baggins or something. <laughs> um, but he was also like, he kind of became like a hanger on to Adam Sandler as well because he was put in adam sandler movies but not all of them so he wasn't like main crew but he always found himself sort of like in the opposing team or whatever against at odds with whatever adam sandler was like going at i mean other than 50 first dates what what else adam sandler has he been in so he was in um 
what's that movie where he's like remote control click i think was the name of, was oh it? click yes so like at some point i think how he ends up on that is like he and his wife are like on the on the outs or whatever and she, she ends up marrying sean astin like that's the the new stepdad basically oh okay but then i think he's also on the other basketball team in grown-ups is he? I don't remember. Maybe that was in Grown Ups too. Yeah, but Grown Ups. I, I don't think he was in. I don't think he was in Grown Ups one. All right. Well, either way, um, he was in a few. Uh, he definitely found himself in in a few Adam Sandler movies that I I noted it. Um, really funny movie, obviously. And I I put this in in the thread in the Facebook thread. But that jerk bully is like a top ten jerk bully for me in like teen movies. Dude, I love the scene where Sean Astin is just kind of daydreaming and staring at, at his girl. And then his head just like pans into the shot and just like shakes his head no. So so quick story, I almost had to do that uh, in real life. I was at a, uh, a wedding in San Antonio. Okay. Uh, this, was, this was when me and Mrs. I Live the 90s were, uh, were still engaged. And uh, I just saw a dude at another table. He just would not stop staring at her. Like, I noticed it. She didn't notice it. I noticed it. And he okay. just would not stop. He would not stop. And I just, I just, I, I, I did it. I just, I just got to the point. I mean, I just, I just looked at him and then shook my head. <laughs> not going to happen. Not today. Oh, man, that's great. Um, yeah, those two movies were great. Encino Man, you know, Brendan Fraser like went on to just become like a legit leading man. And we're going to get to like sort of Polly Shore, you know, as a leading man now, which is where he was. He was, you know, a part of the ensemble in Encino Man, leading man in Son-in-Law. And then he was a leading man in this next tier that we talked about, which is like In the Army Now, Jury Duty, and Biodome. Um, in the Army Now, I think he said was one of the last ones that he did. And it was sort of a mistake. That was the mistake that I think he thinks broke the camel's back where, you know, he was kind of known for having that like wild, wild ass hair that was just like kind of long and frizzy and all over the place. Yeah. And I think he shaved it for in the army now. Yeah. He shaves it. It's one of the scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. He has long hair when the movie starts out. And then when he enlists, you know, they, they shave it. But I'll tell you, man, he should never have cut that hair. It's like Samson. I, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the answer. Maybe he cut his hair and everything went went bad. I mean, like, who bought Michael Bolton albums after he cut his hair? <laughs> I mean, you I'm know? Just, did he not look weird after he cut that off, Michael Bolton? That was such a bad comb over, though. I it had to, it was the lesser of two evils. Like, yeah, I can have a music career, but I look like an idiot. <laughs> like that was Michael Bolton. Yeah, I mean, he had enough Kenny money. You cutting off his, his fro. He had made enough money that he didn't have to look like an idiot anymore, Alan. I think that was the trade off. He finally got. He had a number in his head. He was like, fine, you know, screw it. Twelve million. I got twelve million bucks in the bank. I don't need this dumb hair anymore. Phil, Phil Phil Collins held on for as long as he could. He he definitely had the skullet going. <laughs> I really don't remember much about um in the army now other than that the little sister in um a league of their own was also in uh in the army now like she was a part of like the brigade or the whatever. Oh yeah, you're right. You know, Andy Dick was in it. Andy Dick. Oh. Um he was kind of like a poly yeah, he was kind of probably short sidekick, and also, also the ageless wonder, uh, Bob from La Bamba. <laughs> he's, he's in there. 
Isai Morales. You know who else is? You you know who else isn't in the army now? Who? Brandon Fraser. What? So it became a run. It became a running joke in all of Polly Shore's movies. Uh, definitely in Son in Law and definitely in the Army now, where uh, Brendan Fraser's character from Encino Man shows up for like ten seconds. No way. So and and, and it becomes a thing. Yes. Yeah, so it's like an Easter egg. So in Son in Law, there's like a a, a a frat party going on, and uh, Polly Shore's kind of dressed up like the Chiquita woman. Yeah. And uh, oh. a party goer, Brendan Fraser, grabs a the frog movie. out of his hat, like lights <laughs> it with a lighter, then eats it. Oh, I did remember that. Oh, that's so funny. And then Polly Shore gives him this look like, wait a minute, like, I know you from somewhere. And then in, in the Army Now, like in the chow line, Brendan Fraser walks up and goes, hey, uh, don't eat the chicken. It tastes like frog. And then walks off. And then Polly Shore does it again. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, that's a great bit. That is somebody with a good sense of humor right there. Oh, man. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, jury Duty, which we sort of discussed beforehand, was basically like a comedy version of 12 Angry Men, right? Like he was juror number 12 that held up everything because he just had an inkling about like the innocence of this man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally and totally in the wave of the OJ trial where just everybody was coming out with comedy trial comedy movies even uh what's his face uh, michael richards from seinfeld kramer i remember he had one called trial and error with uh jeff daniels interesting um jury duty sorry 12 angry men actually was the first i can't remember my age i think i was in high school i think it was a high school senior because i had a film class that we took and i, I, took, I had the, made the major mistake of taking it first period so taking that class at first period was the worst idea I ever made because school started at 7.35 in the morning in Arlington. I don't know, it was like the bus system. So like first class high school, 7.35. The worst thing you can do is be in a movie class where they're going to like flick the lights off. It's just like oh, shut it man. down. <laughs> Impossible. But we watched a lot of really good classic movies and that was the first one that I really appreciated because if I'd seen it beforehand, I just wouldn't prepare it. But 12 Angry Men was a really, really good movie, which is why it's like an all-time classic um did you ever see biodome and do you know who his co-star was in that biodome was one of those movies that i think i only saw once right uh when it came on tv you know shortly after it it came out so i mean when i saw it on tv it was probably in like 1998 <laughs> you know haven't haven't seen it since uh one of those baldwin dorks were in it. <laughs> There, okay, so it's not Alec and it's not Billy. I know that. Yeah. It was actually <laughs> Stephen Baldwin, who has also like just, it's like they were Xeroxing Baldwins and it was like, ooh, good looking Alec Baldwin. Because like young Alec Baldwin is like, that dude's a beast. Um, and then there's like, ooh, Billy Baldwin on the next run through. And then they like do it again and like Stephen Baldwin pops out and it's like, eh, maybe we need to check the toner in this thing because... Yeah. <laughs> You know what's funny about the Baldwins? And uh, it's, it's kind of like, okay, the Jacksons, all right? Yeah. They all get plastic surgery, but they all get the same plastic surgery, so they still look like siblings. <laughs> like, as much as Michael Jackson rearranged his face, LaToya rearranged her face similarly. Yeah, so they like, look like, when you put them side by side, they look alike. I'm going to so look the like Bal Michael. That's the, what hurts. The Bal <laughs> yeah. So the Baldwins, they all are skinny together, but then they all get fat the same way. <laughs> So like yeah. Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin Beetlejuice looks like Billy Bald Baldwin backdraft, 
But when you look at both of them now, they all look like Steven because they're all fat. So like they all go through these, this metamorphosis of here's how we look skinny and then here's how we look fat. And we all look the same when we're skinny and we all look the same when we're fat, but we're not all skinny or fat at the same time. Man. That's how they that's how they get that's how you know which Baldwin brother to cast. <laughs> Daniel Baldwin just looks like Fat Alec Baldwin. I'm looking at them right now. So there's four. Stephen, William, Alec, and Daniel. Uh, Stephen Baldwin doesn't have a picture on Google right now. Um, but you are absolutely right, man. That was a great insight into, like, the Baldwin family genes. <laughs> you know who his daughter is? Or who his daughter is married to? No idea. Her name is Haley Baldwin, was Haley Baldwin, and is now Haley Bieber, actually. Um, this is is like the level of like, this is when you can tell, like we really date ourselves basically because like, I shouldn't know that like factoid, but I do because I still pay attention to like the young kid game stuff. But basically like we've just aged out of like that level of superstar. Like it's okay to like Justin Bieber because he was such a huge deal when he was like a little kid, you know, he was like 13, 14 and Usher and whatever, like popped him off. But I shouldn't know much more about, like, his life than I do. And I'm kind of, like, embarrassed that I know that, like, Stephen Baldwin, the, like, third or fourth best Baldwin brother's daughter, is married to, like, Justin Bieber. As I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> um, so let's get into sort of the next phase of his career, because we talked about it in the very beginning, where basically after those three movies, whatever order they came in, like, the cliff just, like hit and he fell off of it and he was nowhere to be found unlike how he was unlike how we compared him to Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler and I think that might be because those guys at least showed the range that they could be serious so my sort of overarching theory is that those guys played juvenile so they played younger dumber type characters but always had talent to like do other things and i think Polly shore was just being himself basically sort of what are your thoughts on that see i, I don't know i mean maybe if he had the chance um to show some range because again at some point someone had to take a chance on jim carrey and put him in the truman show Mm-hmm. Now, someone had to take a chance on Adam Sandler and put him in, I don't know, Spanglish or, <laughs> or whatever those those transitional kind of kind of movies are. Like there were some heavy scenes in Encino, man, you know, where he where he sees uh, where Brendan Fraser kind of recognizes and acknowledges that he's a caveman and is in the wrong era and mm-hmm. is far from home. And then Sean Astin and, and Polly Shore kind of console him a little bit. And and it was believable, you know, when. uh when uh, Polly Shore was being empathetic to him. So I, I don't know, you know, we'll never know if he, if he could be dramatic or not. So my response to that is, I think what led to them not giving him that chance is basically because he wasn't bankable anymore and couldn't use it as a bargaining chip. So as I've sort of understood the back endings of how that sort of industry works, you know, as much as I can. I think there is eventually like a tit for tat where the the studio wants Jim Carrey to make like The Mask 2 or Ace Ventura 3 or, you know, in that case, Ace Ventura 2. And he's like, okay, I also want to show my range. So I am willing to make Ace Ventura 2 if you go and let me make Eternal 
Mind of the Spotless Mind or whatever the name of that movie is or Truman Show or and I think they have the gravity to do that so Adam Sandler could do the same thing because he 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 just had better timing basically and I think Polly Shore sort of maybe waited to the end and just couldn't pull that card out. Yeah, and the and the thing is, same thing with um, you know, it's not just him. You know, this happens to there were other stars in the '90s that got a movie or two, and it just stopped after that. Like, I think about like John Lovitz. Okay. You know, he was in uh, High School High. Oh um, yeah. You know, he had a feature movie, you know, it's the baseball bat over the flat top. I mean, they, they the race they cars all, they, going through the lot, other one. The cars, yeah. I mean, a lot. Of... I was like fake dangerous minds, right? That was the the premise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of them have you know Emilio Estevez for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he did Stakeout and and Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks and whatever else he did. But, I mean, it's not just him. I mean, stars get their chance, and they either make it or they don't. Not everyone can can be a megastar. I don't think it's fair to compare him to Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey's trajectory because those are the two kind of mega, mega stars of, totally. of that era. Um, I, think, I think that's right, man. Um, I actually got a chance to, to listen to a little bit of him, like, present day, well, four years ago now. Um, 2017, Polly Shore. And it was interesting to hear sort of his version of it because I think a lot of what you said rings true where things just kind of withered away and he he thought, I can, I can do these things. Why is the phone stop ringing? Why is it not happening for me? And it was this mixture of sort of bittersweet because he appreciates the things that he does. He acknowledges and, and, and recognizes they were like really big hits and he's proud of that. And then there's sort of the sadness that it didn't continue so that he thinks back on that time. He's sort of upset by it, and he thinks... I think he even tells a story about being on the set of Sandy Wexler. Do you know Sandy Wexler? Do you remember this movie? Mm-hmm. I think no. it was a, um, it's definitely an Adam Sandler joint, so I don't know if it was one of those like Netflix ones that he did or whatever, but like... And the only thing that... The trappings of previously being famous was... Polly Shore not being happy that he's pr- contributing and making movies again or like still but that the only thing he could really think of was that that used to be me like I used to be the lead guy because he really and he says he genuinely just loves being on set and being around you know he grew up sort of as part of like a, a stage type family or in that environment where he's very comfortable with all that stuff um I guess do you know much about Polly Shore like these days? I have no idea. I mean, uh, I I know his career is not doing well, mm-hmm. at least comparatively. Right. Um, you know, if I was him, you know, I'd maybe do stand up or or I don't know what. I mean, what do these comedians do when when things flame out? You know, we're talking about you know last week Dustin Diamond. Mm-hmm. And just how things dried up for him after Saved by the Bell, and I know he did some stand-up tours and did what he could, but at some point, if you're not getting jobs, what what can you do? Eventually, that does sort of fade. Um, he made a couple appearances, and it was always sort of, hey, there's Polly Shore. Like I remember him, I liked him. Um, he's done smaller indie projects for sure. Um, but for the most part, he's just been under the radar. I think he went back, and kind of jumping to our last segment here, um, 
went back to the Comedy Store to help out, which is a famous club out in Los Angeles. And he started doing like benefits and taking over a lot from there. Um, sort of before getting into that, I think it's it's good to know that there is sort of like a happy ending because in that interview I was able to, to go back and watch, he talks about being happy that he never got hooked on drugs. He didn't waste his money on alcohol. And like he still has his Malibu house that he like leases out because he's like, I'm, I'm one guy. I still love that house, but I don't live in it. Kind of in the in the hills of Hollywood. Um, and he leases it out. So he's he kept all his money. So it's not the, oh man, what happened to that guy? That's a real shame. It's just like, he used to work a lot. Now he doesn't work. And that's basically it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of like a what's a modern day guy that had a good like four year run where they were white hot and then just gone. And and the one that immediately comes to mind is uh, Russell Brand. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like he was in everything for like five years from 2009 to about 2013, and then just gone i mean i have not even heard about the guy in several years he man what did he do what was that run he did forgetting sarah marshall uh get get him him to to the the greek Greek. and i think arthur was sort of that last like one that he did um he was great though i like russell brand a lot um he's you know what he does now like everybody um he has a pretty interesting podcast and the one thing i can say about Russell Brand is whether he was smart to begin with or has just done enough drugs to get so introspective he's curious so he is sort of entertaining to listen to converse because he definitely has his own formed opinions but when he comes to the conversation there's an openness to actually listening to the person he is talking with whether that is contentious and they're going head to head or they are sort of like working together in concert to like produce an idea together. So he's really in- an interesting character to me. I think he was like legitimately like a sex addict. He was like, he went to like therapy and like got it all done, which like, that's gotta be a very difficult thing to admit because what's that line for people, right? Because if you're just like a Hollywood actor and women are just like available to you all the time, like what, what's that line before you figure out like, man, I've, I've got a real problem on my hands here. David Duchovny too. Yeah, really. <clears throat> he was. He was. Yeah, he was a sex addict, and he was, was married before or after like Californication. Uh, I think around the same time. I mean, that seems like something that would bring it to the fore. Is what I was thinking. Yeah. Um. So I referenced the the comedy store earlier, and I think to kind of understand a little bit of like where Polly Shore is now and how he got to where he is, going back to the beginning helps a little bit. Um, his mother is a name. His his mother is a woman named Mitzi Shore. Um, have you ever heard that name? Only through him. I knew. I knew he had a uh, a famous comedian mother that ran, or I think both of his parents. I think ran the the comedy store, and that's kind of how he grew up in comedy. I know he at a young age did opening bits, opening spots at the comedy store for other bigger. Um, comedians so he was i mean he's, he's from a showbiz family he is um i'm not sure that she is i think if i can correct his dad was sort of the performer and she 
was just kind of a, a you know a woman they had gotten together he had gotten her pregnant um that was Polly's older brother i think and then they had another kid and then Polly. so i don't know if he's the youngest or the middle child but there's three of them for sure and then basically his dad was just like yeah i don't actually want to do this and i'd rather be out on the road um and he'd left but before leaving in the five years that they were together he was approached by somebody else in the industry and said hey like i have this space in this warehouse um, why don't we turn it into like a comedy club? Cause there was one sort of popping up. It sounds like, like the beginning of like sports radio where like there was no sports radio and then it worked in one location and everybody's like, Oh, we should do sports radio actually everywhere. So like it proliferated pretty quickly. So in LA, maybe there was one other one and he said, sure. Like, let's call it the Danny Shore, whatever Polly's Shore's dad's name is like the Danny Shore comedy room. And the guy was like, that's a terrible idea. And Mitzi Shore, his mom, was like, well, why don't we call it the, the comedy store? And they were like, okay, that's great, that's great. And things ended so abruptly for their marriage that he just, like, peaced out and was like, you can have the house, you can have the comedy store. I just want to, like, get back on the road and, like, live my life. And she was like, okay. And where she and her geniuses is not being a performer but was actually being a tastemaker, sort of like the way, you know, if, if you remember Professor's um, segment from this last week when he talked about being invited over to the couch on Johnny Carson was sort of like that seal of approval like if Mitzi Shore thought you were funny you were funny maybe you weren't polished maybe you weren't anything but like that was enough to say like oh got it this person has it yeah that's that's great and I know I know Polly got exposed to a lot of great great comedians um, through through that through that avenue and uh particularly sam kinnison mm -hmm. i know he looked up to sam kinnison a lot i think sam uh, mentored him uh, uh, got him into got him into comedy and uh, i mean who, what greater of a comedian can you have mentoring you than than sam kinnison <laughs> sam kinnison was really interesting because i think the first time i came across him he's just for those of you that don't know sam kinnison he's a big guy he wore like the beret before Michael Jordan wore the beret, sort of backwards. He was kind of a portly guy. He had the Michael Bolton haircut, I think, where it was just like that straggly hair, strainy, yeah. like hanging out the back. He was a fat guy, and he would just yell. He was like, I don't know, if, if cocaine was a person, I feel like it would be Sam Kinison. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any favorite, like, Sam Kinison bits? Absolutely, absolutely. If if you haven't seen Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Sam Kinison has a part in that movie as a professor. One uh -huh. segment, one scene, he steals the movie. He just he, he kind of works his bit into that role as a professor. He teaches uh, American history, mm -hmm. and they're doing a lesson on Vietnam. And uh, he starts very serious, you know, very, very calm. He's like, you know, can someone tell me, you know, why America pulled their troops out of Vietnam? And then a girl raises her hand, gives a very intelligent answer. He just kind of looks around. He's like, well, is she right? Is she right? And then he just snaps. No, she's not right. I was there up to my knees in rice paddies. Oh, oh. Like, just that yell that, that he always does. <laughs> he was so fiery, Great scene. Man. Great, great scene. Oh, man. Yeah, they, um... Like, all the biggest people, here's, here, here's just like a list of the people that rose to fame and were associated with working like at the comedy store. Like, they basically like, they cut their teeth at the comedy store. Tell me if this is not a list of, of like, who's who. Whoopi Goldberg, Roseanne Barr, 
Robin Williams, Gary Shanling, Jay Leno, David Letterman, both of them got their start there from last week. Was that last week or the week before? Week before, right? Um, wow. Chevy Chase, Sam Kennison, Mark Marin, who is like, if Joe Rogan is not the, the pod father, like Mark Marin has a fantastic uh, podcast going now. Um, Jim Carrey, even. Uh, Joe Rogan, Bob, Bobcat, Goldthwait. <laughs> so this brings up a really funny That's thing. That's great. Bobcat is a great value, Sam Kennison, by the way. I, I never liked him. Bill Burr, Bobby Lee, Joey Diaz, and a bunch of other people. Um, I think this brings up one thing. Let's just talk about comedians for a little bit. Since we got here through Mitzi Shore, I want to talk about just like comedy. What happened to the prop comic? Because I feel like Bobcat Goldthwait was kind of, he was a bit comic because he, he had like the voice and he would talk like he was kind of anxious yeah. or I, he was, he was like great value, Sam Kennison. I think it's a great way to put that, Alan. He, and the thing is that voice was put on because at some point he just scrapped it and started doing stand up just normally with okay. a, with a normal voice. Like Gilbert Gottfried at least has been very dedicated to that voice. Like you will, you will Gilbert never hear Godfrey? Gilbert Gottfried not that's talking not his real in that voice. voice. That is not his real voice, no. <laughs> was he Zazu? Who was he? He was one of I mean, He's been a lot of things, but uh, I mean, he's an Aflac duck. Aflac. Oh, he was Jafar's parrot, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Um, oh, man. Talking about dudes doing bits. Um, the ultimate bit was like Carrot Top, though, who basically, he, if there's somebody that has a bit that has done it the best, it's Carrot Top because... He doesn't have to like travel around the country. He's just like, I'm going to be in Vegas and there's new people here every night. And like, that's my job. Getting a residency in Vegas sounds like sort of like maybe, maybe it can be golden handcuffs, but like, it kind of sounds awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've mentioned on this show before that I, I have seen Carrot Top perform at the Luxor mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is a, a hilarious, amazing, fantastic show. I, Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Of course, he's pulling out all the trunks, pulling out all the props. He updates them. You know, it's 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 current stuff. It's funny. But he also does a lot of stand-up kind of in between trunks. So he'll open a trunk, kind of do his – and he's doing these, like, fists of fury. He just pulls out one, pulls out another, pulls out another. You're just <laughs> By the time you register what's funny about the first one, like, he's already on to the next one. Oh. And then – he gets through that trunk and then he just kind of tells some stories for a little bit and then and then go moves on to another trunk. Great freaking show! Um, if you can catch it, do it. I recommend it. And again, I'm gonna reference it. He's just uncomfortably jacked. Just like it's so <laughs> like you, you. I don't know how much anybody knows about any of this, but there's like something called is it called sterol? Have you heard this? Where basically you're just like injecting, yeah, but you just like inject the muscle in. So like you've seen these guys with like these, like it looks like they've put balloons under their skin into their biceps. So the rest of their body looks like totally normal. If you ever scroll Instagram, you can find these guys. I think it's called sterol, and that's the stuff that will like pop and like pus because it's just like it's a foreign body that your physical human being does not want inside of it. Oh, that's disgusting. He uh, he's he's shrunk down a little bit. I mean, he's still jacked, but it's not like he <laughs> he looks like you know that. Mo- remember that movie Mask? Not yeah. the Mask, yeah. just Mask <laughs> with Cher. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like imagine just taking that head and putting it on a jacked body. Like, why would anyone want to look or walk around looking like that? <laughs> 
So anyway, Mitzi Shore was huge. Brought Polly Shore up in all of that. Um, like you said, I think he was he was making food before he was even doing shows, and then he like you're going to be in comedy if you're always around comedians. Like you just see that as like a viable thing. So you just do it. I think that's what he did. Um, and it, it sounds like a good life. I mean, like anybody, you know, somebody who's done, who's lived a long time, they probably are proud of a lot of things and maybe have some regrets about stuff. And I think that's just kind of living a life. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it's difficult to remember that not all actors are successful. Right. Like, being an actor is hard. It, it is it is very hard. There's a lot of struggle. You don't unless you're really at the top, you're not really making very much money. It's it's kind of like I kind of equate it to baseball. <laughs> like you can be a career minor leaguer and never be wealthy. You can even be a major leaguer and not make it through your arbitration years and not be wealthy. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 can be done and the most you ever made is you know maybe six figures. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, a lot of these actors and I, I think about like Elvin from the Cosby show. Okay. He got he got spotted working at Trader Joe's a couple of years ago, and someone took a picture of it and posted it on Reddit, and uh, it exposed that look like you have to keep working. And yes, I was on a hit show thirty years ago, right? But that show's over. The residuals aren't as good as what you think they are, right? And I got this job because when it's flexible and it pays benefits and if I have a gig or an audition, I can go and do it. But mm-hmm. I get work when I can, but when I can't, you know, I, I have to make money somehow. So it's, it's just, it's not all glam. And, um, even if you've been at the top, even if you've been on a hit show or a hit movie, um, it, it's hard to be a mega star and, and stay that way. I think you've highlighted something great, Alan, here wrapping up the three sort of like, types of Hollywood actor. There's the Elven types that had a thing one time and maybe lived off for a while and and are struggling and maybe just want to get, you know, spot roles here and there that can maybe turn into something else. Then there's the Polly Shore who were actual leading men and then it just falls off. And then you've got like Tom Cruise types like Matthew McConaughey that are legit A-list stars forever. And I think valuing what you do and being happy with like the craft like do you love it because that's what's going to sustain you because it's not for everybody and there's only so many roles to go out anytime and if you like you said if you don't stay relevant that town will spit you out because there are literally thousands of people moving there every year to try and take your position and that's it you know if you don't do a good job you make some bad decision it's a delicate balance where do i continue to strike while the iron is hot and keep relevant keep relevant keep relevant and take some bad roles, a la Polly, Polly Shore, or do I like play it too conscious? Do I play it too conservative, and miss out on some opportunities, and then the, the phone just stops ringing? Very interesting uh, insight there, man. Yeah, but the thing is, even the A-listers put out stinkers, That's but true. for whatever reason, it doesn't derail their career. I mean, Tom Cruise has been in some stupid movies. Uh, you know, failure to launch. That was Matthew McConaughey, right? Or was that Owen Wilson? Uh, they're all the same to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. That movie sucked. But so there, I mean, there, there's some stinkers too, but just some people last, some people don't. Yeah. Um, great chat, man. I'm, I'm glad this one came up. It was, it's not even off the beaten path. I think this is the kind of stuff that I, I would love to get into a little more where we just kind of like explore people that were just white hot in the 90s, man. I mean, and we just have like, 
so much to talk about because like humans are interesting. Human interest stories are always awesome. I think those are just like the rise and fall of things. And hopefully like the rise, the only thing better than like a rise and fall story is like a rise, fall, rise. If we can find people that like end up coming back, I'd, I'd be all for sort of exploring stuff like that, man. Yeah, for sure. I, I like talking about this kind of stuff. I, I, any, any topic that talks about careers and career trajectories and kind of people's stories, how they made it, how they fought, um, how they redeemed themselves. I, I, I can listen and read and talk about that stuff all day. It's, it's, it's so interesting and it doesn't have to be celebrities. I mean, even just people, people's stories of, of, of their careers and how they started and, and their journeys. It's amazing. Awesome. Well, man, uh, thanks for joining us this week, guys. We'll see you, uh, next time. Good night, y'all. Thanks for listening to I Live the 90s. You can find past episodes along with the companion blog with photos on the website, ilivethe90s.com, 90s spelled out. You're also invited to join the private Facebook group. Lastly, you can listen to Alan Bryan on Apple or Spotify. If you subscribe or leave a comment, it helps more people discover the podcast. We really appreciate your support.